streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. The chilling new original docu-series on Paramount Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. To the can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Welcome into Up in the Raptors, a podcast brought to you this basketball season by our friends over at Johnny T-Shirt. Co-hosting this, I'm Taylor Vipolis, and this year I'm joined by a national champion, the most outstanding player of the Final Four, and a Carolina basketball legend in every sense of the word, ACC Network's Joel Berry. First off, man, how are you doing? And appreciate you being here this season. Yeah, man, I'm doing good. You know, I got uh, I got two kids now, my favorite number, number two. So, uh, man, I've been good, but I'm glad basketball season is here. And, uh, man, I'm ready for it. A lot of people sharing that same sentiment with you. Now that Carolina basketball has gone and gotten underway, two games so far this season, through those two games, what do you think the biggest differences you've seen in how UNC is playing this year compared to last year? Yeah, I think the big difference is, uh, one, you just see the team playing a little bit faster. I think that was a huge emphasis um, in this offseason was how can we get the ball down the court a little bit faster and get some easy baskets. Last year, I think I think Carolina played very methodically, um, just trying to slow the ball down and um, really get good shots. Um, and I think that was because of the lack of ball movement. Um, but uh, I really do see a difference in the way that they're, they're paced, getting the ball out of the net, getting it down court, letting Armando post up early and taking advantage of some of the guys' speed that they have. Um, and then just the camaraderie, man. It just looks like this team likes playing together. Um, you know, they look like they're together. And last year, you know, they, it's not saying they didn't, um, but you can just tell there's a different energy. And that's because sometimes, you know, you, you get some new guys in there um, and people are bringing what they've uh, been through and um, at their colleges with all the new faces that they have. And uh, it just looks like they really love playing with each other and they look like they're really trying to put the pieces together um, to build on what has been established in the offseason. Yeah, two, two of the points that you made that I noticed when I was at the Lehigh game this past weekend – one, every time they're getting a rebound, Hubert Davis, you could see the emphasis. He, he's yelling, attack, attack from that sideline. And Carolina is, uh, you see the emphasis on on pushing the ball in transition. And then the other point, the, the ball's not getting stuck. You don't have uh, somebody dribbling around for, for 20 seconds. And at times last year, it felt like, you know, it's it's this person's turn to, to have a possession. Then it's this person's turn. And when you're giving that ball up, in the back of your mind, you're, you're thinking maybe like, hey, I might not get this ball back <laughs> if, right. if, I, if I get rid of it. And, and the chemistry through two games against Radford and Lehigh has seemed better. And I've also noticed that even though UNC 
is shooting just uh, 32.43% from three in these first two games. It feels like because they have more threats as, as shooters in their starting five, which they didn't always have last season, it's helped the overall spacing in getting the ball into the paint and helping create um, driving lanes for players like R.J. Davis or, or like Harrison Ingram. What have you seen kind of from from the spacing for this Carolina team? Yeah, you hit it right on the head. I mean, you know, we can all talk about spacing, but if you don't have shooters, then you can't space the court. I mean, you can't space and have someone who can't knock down the three. And I think when Coach Davis and his staff were going out into the portal, they were looking at the players that they already had and who were coming back. And you got RJ and then you got Armando Baycott. So now you're thinking, okay, how can we get Baycott room to be able to operate down there in the post? We need shooters. And I think that's what's great about the transfer portals. You can go out and get what you need. And they went out and got shooters. Um, and so being able to have that spacing, um, even though they're only shooting 32% right now, but you see you see the, the, the willingness of being able to get into the paint and have people who can shoot the ball. Now it's just a matter of just knocking it down, which I expect them to do as the season moves along. But, you know, getting into the paint, that's only half of the equation. You have to have shooters to be able to space that defense out, to be able to keep the defense honest. And when you have a guy like Baycott in the middle, you have to be able to give him room to operate. I think about Tyler Hansborough and his team, and look who he was surrounded by. He was surrounded by shooters. So teams had to play him honestly um, and play his team honestly, and he could just operate and just work down there. And so being able to have those shooters around the court is very crucial when you have a dominant big like uh, Armando. Yeah, that's that's what I think Cormac Ryan really brings to this team where he's only shooting 30% from three through the two games, but, you know, shooting can go up, shooting can go down. If teams start having the thought like, oh, we don't have to guard Cormac Ryan, he's he's more than capable to to take those open shots and hit those open shots. We've seen it time and time again at Notre Dame and the threat of shooting and having to respect him on the perimeter. But I also love that in, in the press conferences I've seen from Hubert Davis, he talks about how vocal somebody like Cormac Ryan is as a leader. When there were times last year where the team hits some adversity, the team gets punched in the mouth and you're, you're looking around like, where, where's this leadership going to come from? Where's, where are people going to rally the team? They kind of lost that the year before with somebody like Brady Manick and, and the presence that he had in the locker room. From your experience playing, what has the best leadership looked like on the court and then in the locker room? Well, I tell you, Taylor, if uh, you ask some of my teammates, I was I, I was a little harsh when it came down to, <laughs> to leadership. I had a couple of times when Coach uh, Coach Williams had to pull me in t- to the side and like, man, you can't you can't say it like that, um, <laughs> you know. But my teammates, I think that's what's great about um, having teammates know how each player operates um, because my teammates knew that. At the end of the day, I cared about winning and I cared about my teammates. Um, and that was built off the court. Um, they knew that I could get on them, but at, but at the end of the day, as soon as we got outside of those lines, I was laughing and um, being myself with those guys. So they kind of understood what my leadership type was, um, even though, you know, I can't say it, say anything on here. Sometimes it come came out a little bit wrong, but um, they understood my leadership style. With having a guy like Cormac Ryan, um, who has been through the thick and thin, 
um, has has the one of I would say probably the most experience on this team. Um, when it comes down to playing college basketball, you need a guy that's vocal in the locker room because if you just hear the coach's voice, it, it ends up it, it's like a parent. You know, a parent they end up saying something to you, and it's like it goes through one ear and out the other. So the coaches are like. Coaches love having another voice in the locker room, and Cormac Ryan brings that. Um, I also heard that in practices, Coach Davis also gives uh, them one timeout, and R.J. Davis is the only guy that can call that timeout to kind of rally guys together. Um, and I think that's awesome. You have to give your leaders responsibility because that's how they're able to take accountability for what's going on with the team and being able to have two guys like uh, – Cormac and RJ who are able to take on that leadership role you need that in the locker room like that's very important because to my point earlier you can only hear so much from the coaches but when you hear your fellow teammate that you're battling with is saying like hey guys we need to get it going or we need to do this or we need to fix this it's it it, it hits a little bit different than just hearing it from the coach you talked about when you're trying to give a message and, and your teammates knowing like how much you care about it and, and it's coming from a good place, how much of, of the leadership from this Carolina team and the the sense of urgency it looks like they're playing with early in the season has to do with the fact that a lot of these guys, they are fourth, fifth, six-year players where this could be their last chance to make, make a, a run at a school like North Carolina. And I think that's what's most important is, one, you have to realize where you are. You're at such a a prestigious program, and the front of that jersey means everything. And if you take care of what's on the front of that jersey, what's on the back will be just fine. Um, Everybody will be able to feed off of it. Everyone will be in a good place. But having that type of leadership is 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 very important. And like you said, this this is the last run for these guys. It's very emotional for um, some of these guys and not only is it just the last run but you got to think like Cormac Ryan was at Notre Dame there they didn't turn out their seasons didn't turn out the way that they wanted it to be Harrison Ingram was a former McDonald's All-American he went to Stanford it didn't turn out the way that he wanted it to be so these guys are like we have a chance to be at a program like North Carolina where we are front and center stage let's go out with a bang let's go let's let's put on a show Let's we 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 came here for a reason and let's put it all together. And I think that's what's most important is they know that this is their last run. They know that they have to put all the chips on the table and they don't want to regret anything. And so that does give them a little sense of urgency and just wanting to make sure that they're exhausting every single aspect of their game and everything about this team um, when it comes down to this season. Yeah, people have talked about the, the pros and the cons to the the transfer portal era in, in college basketball. But I think you're seeing one of the pros here for this North Carolina team, how quickly you can rebuild a roster. You get Cormac Ryan, you get Pax and Wojcik, uh, you get Harrison Ingram, and you know you, you bring in three new starters right there. And you have these guys who are in their fourth, fifth, six years at, at, at the college basketball level between Armando Baycott, R.J. Davis, Cormac Ryan. I'm, I just mentioned him. Paxson Wojcik, I think he's probably been a surprise for fans from this offseason to when he transfers to North Carolina from Brown to now seeing him in the starting lineup. What do you think goes into this, the the choice from Hubert Davis to start Wojcik to round out this first five to start the season? 
Yeah, I think it, I know it looks crazy from the outside, but you know, from the outside, you can say whatever um, you want to say about it. But those coaches are in practice every single day. They've seen these guys play in the off season. Um, they know what the uh, what the camaraderie looks like between each lineups, and that's what we saw here in these first two games. A lot of guys being played because the coaching staff is still trying to figure out what lineups work with each other. Um, and I think that's what the coaches are looking at is like, hey, we can start Paxson, let him be around some guys who can create and he can be able to get some wide open three-point shots because maybe that's not what he'll be able to do when the second group comes in. So I think just being able to um, to navigate what lineups work best, I think that's why Paxson Wojcik is starting in the, in, in the, in the, in the lineup because – Maybe that's the way that he is able to – or the coaches are able to get the most out of his play and what he can do on the court rather than leaving him off, you know, into the, to the second lineup. And then he kind of gets lost in the mix. So, uh, like I said, those coaches, they, they see, and that's why they like to play a lot of guys in the beginning of the season so they can see what lineups flow better, what matchups flow better. And that's what they're trying to get a feel for. So is that saying that this will last the whole season? Who knows? But it's all about feel and it's all about how can these guys work with work with one another and how can we maximize each, is, each guy's uh, potential and what they can do when we're looking at how we put these lineups together. And I think that's that's kind of what went into him starting. And when you're looking at the starting lineup, that fifth spot, you have R.J. Davis, you have Cormac Ryan, you have Harrison Ingram, and you have Armando Baycott. There really isn't much you need from that fifth spot in in terms of uh, production. So if like the guy you're getting in that fifth spot is a shooter in, in the high 30s from three that is going to hustle and beat you with effort, how much of that do you think goes in, into the 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 choice to start him and also the fact that he does have a ton of experience to where when Radford makes a run or when Lehigh makes a run, the group that's out there, it's it's guys that have been there before and are able to handle uh, any kind of adversity that comes at them. Yeah, that's very important. I mean, you look at Kim Palm has them sixth in the nation in uh, D1 experience. I think it's like the average is like over three, a little over three years. So that's a, that's a lot of experience and that's, that's, that's a recipe for winning because it's not about when things are, are easy. It's about the moments when we have to make adjustments. Uh, Carolina has to make um, some lineup changes. You want to be able to have guys that are able to dig their feet in and say, Hey, it's time to, uh, to lock in and let's, let's, let's make a run. And um, to your point, Paxton is a guy, he, he he's not going to give you much off the dribble. Um, he's a guy that will that if it was me and I'm sure the coaches and the players say the same thing every time we pass it to you if you're open don't hesitate shoot the ball and I'm sure that's what his um, his role is and when we talk about roles I think that's the biggest thing about a coach is being able to not only define a role for a player but be able to define a role uh, for the player in the whole team to be able to understand that player's role and I think Uh, Paxson is one of those guys who understands his role. He knows he's out there to shoot the ball. He knows he's out there to hustle. And to be a winning team, you have to have guys accepting what they they need to do and what the coaches are asking for them. Because if you have 
a player who is saying, hey, no, I'm this type of player. And you have the coaching staff saying, no, this is who you are. That's just not going to work out. So being able to have a guy to be able to accept his role, which I'm sure Paxson um, accepts his role, it's, in, it's very important to your point when you have those many when you have that many playmakers out there rj harrison <laughs> armando we just need a guy to step in and knock down some shots <laughs> we'll talk more carolina basketball in a second but first i have to remind everybody about johnny t-shirt i was just in chapel hill this past weekend johnny t-shirt was the first place i stopped you can visit them on franklin street or you could visit them online at johnny t-shirt.com now that basketball season has gotten underway Stop by Johnny T-Shirt. They have all the basketball jerseys, the basketball shirts, the hats. It's getting cold. Get some cold gear. The holidays are coming. Somebody in your life could use some Carolina basketball gear. It's great people, great customer service. And don't forget, Inside Carolina, premium subscribers save 10% off their orders. Joel, if if there are starting lineup changes, I think the one that people – uh, would expect it to be and anticipate it to be is five-star freshman Ellie Cadeau moving into a, a bigger role with the team. How do you think Cadeau has played so far through two games at this level? Yeah, in the first game, I think he was, uh, you know, he just had some jitters. Um, you know, as a freshman, you're still trying to learn the system. You're still trying to adjust. And it's not only on the court. Man, you just, you're, you're trying to adjust to just being on your own and being – being a kid that's uh, finally away from home and trying to navigate the navigate to get to class, uh, all of that comes into play. Um, so in the in the first game, um, just saw some jitters. Second game, you could kind of see him going. And honestly, I just think it, it's about the game slowing down for him. Um, you know, coming out of high school, you, you you're playing against. Uh, teams that don't necessarily have guys one through five that can play on a division one level. Now, when you get to the college level there, especially um, playing at the, in, in the ACC, you're, you got guys that are, you know, almost five stars, four stars from one through five. Uh, so, you know, it just takes a little bit of, bit of an adjustment um, to be able to, to adjust to the level. And then, as I was told coming into Carolina, the point guard position is the hardest position in Carolina basketball, and it truly is. The amount of, uh, the amount of responsibility that you have to take, getting the, making sure everyone's lined up, getting free throw calls, getting the defensive calls, um, while also trying to dribble the ball, shoot the ball, do all this stuff, and, and just be yourself. It, it's a lot of responsibility. So... Um, you know, you have to be very, very patient um, in, a, in, in with the point guard role just because there are a lot of responsibilities. But I think in the second game, he looked a lot he looked a lot more comfortable. And it seems like things are starting to finally click for him um, in, in some areas. He's gifted passer. That was the that's the thing that kind of jumps out to you when, when you watch him. Yes. First. I think we're talking about like the the person he always gets compared to is Kendall Marshall with with that level of vision to where he's playing with like this this anticipation to where people will be and he's passing players open. There was one in the second half against Lehigh where the I think he was driving to the left. He gets two people to contest and like without even looking, he he puts it like on his backhand uh, to a big in the post. And I'm just like I'm watching it straight on, kind of like where B dot is. 
And I'm like, <laughs> there's just no way he saw where that person was going to be. And he does that like multiple times a game. And you see the level of IQ that he has as a, as a playmaker, or as a distributor at the point guard spot. Is he, a, is he the player where you think where they are now and, and where they can be at the end of the season that could change this team's ceiling and the potential the most? I think so. Look, you as a basketball player, you want to be on the court with somebody that just like loves to pass the basketball. I mean, I don't care if you're in a in a gym outside on the park. You when someone is passing the ball, your hands are ready and you know that at any point this ball could be coming my way. And that's the type of guy that you want to play with. And I think that's what's so great. Um, you know, I don't know which direction they'll go. I don't know if he'll eventually start. I don't know if he'll, you know, continue to come off the bench. But whatever happens, um, I think that he brings a different type of um, a different type of play than what they had last year. And for a guy that it really benefits is R.J. Davis because R.J. is sort of like myself. Like I was a point guard, but I could also shoot the ball. And sometimes you need to be in that receiving um that receiving uh situation where you're not just the one distributing all the time and i think for uh for elliot to be able to have that responsibility and be able to come out on the court and bring that different type of dynamic dynamics to the to to uh to the game and being able to pass the ball like he does i think that that will bode well for carolina um and i look forward to seeing those two play together because I re- it, it reminds me of Marcus and myself. Um, Marcus was an unbelievable scorer, but he could also pass the ball as well. And so I just think Elliot, man, as as he continues to grow and understand the game, um, it will just we'll be able to really see um, just the, the the passing ability that he has. Uh, but he does just bring a different dynamic in it. And you talk about wanting to play faster. That's a guy that you want to be able to kick the ball ahead and uh, and get get your offense started. Yeah, fans are going to be excited hearing that that comparison to to you and Marcus, especially with with Marcus <laughs> back in Chapel Hill and and able to work with Elliot. Uh, it's it's just it was such a good duo for for a backcourt and the one of the biggest reasons why you guys had so much success on those teams. As he's as he's making this jump from high school to college, what do you remember most? about your jump and, and how and how tough it was on the court and, and you're, you're going from a, a spot in high school where you're the guy you're, you're the ball's in your hand you know 99% of the time you're the guy that has to make every play to now you're more in a role where you're not starting and, and you're trying to figure out how how you can help contribute the team and and bring the most success to the team to keep expanding your role yeah Taylor, I'm going to just keep it plain and simple. I sucked as a freshman. I really sucked. Like, the beginning of my career was really, really bad. I think I shot the most – I shot more air balls in, like, a span of a half a season than I did my entire life. (laughs) So, (laughs) I I got off to a rough start. Uh, So, Elliot is uh, by far doing way better than I was doing. At least he's hitting the rim. So (laughs) – but, you know, it's just a huge adjustment. You're not only, you know, like I, to my point earlier, trying to navigate all the things off the court. You're also trying to um, understand how to play with just other great players. And I, I think that's an underrated aspect 
is that every guy that is in that starting lineup at some point in their career had the ball 99% of the time. So now how can I adjust my mindset to know that I have guys around me that can score the ball just as just as uh, good as I can and maybe even better? And how can I put them in situations to get them a good shot? Um, so, it, it, you know, that dynamic is tough. And a lot of that just comes with the experience. Um, the game is a lot faster. Reads are a lot faster. You know, instead of it being a three-second window to make a play, now you're down to one second because guys are so long and athletic um, and the game is is changing. I mean, now you have point guards that are 6'4", 6'5". I still think about the Florida State team that we played. They went from 6'5", all the way to like seven four, and I'm like, are there seven guys on the court? I mean, <laughs> what is going on? So sometimes that's how it feels when you're playing in college. It feels like there are seven guys on the court because things are moving so fast. So with that, you have to be able to understand reads. You have to be able to see the play before the play is actually happening. And I think for Elliot, I think he really has that because to be a great passer, you have to see it before it actually happens. Um, because like you said earlier, you're like, how did he make that pass? Does this dude have like eyes in the back of his head, you know, or on the side of his head? Um, and so you have to be able to see that. And I think just a lot of that just comes with experience, being able to sit down and watch film. I think that's when I got my best play towards the, the latter half of my freshman season after I got hurt because I was watching film. I was watching what Coach Williams uh, was saying, you know, that's not a good play. That's a good play. That's not a good play. And that experience just came with time. Um, so just being able to really get with the coaches and being able to break down and and uh, look at how things, how fast things are going, I think that will help him a lot. And I'm sure that's what the coaching staff is doing with him to make that transition a little bit easier. Yeah, and the, the eyes in the back of the head is, is the best analogy when you're watching him play because it, it does feel like that at times. And <laughs> an, another thing that has kind of jumped out, we've we've talked about him here and there in, in this first podcast, but through two games, Harrison Ingram's versatility oh. and what he brings to this team. What have you seen from the Stanford transfer? Yeah, I, I love Harrison Ingram. Um, I, I don't know if you noticed, but I've never I've – never, Actually, it's a handful of guys that I've seen that are right-handed. But if like if I didn't know Harrison Ingram, I would the way that he goes to his left and palms the ball and finishes, I'm like that it, it almost looks fake. <laughs> uh so I just think like I think it's just uh 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 that's that's an underrated aspect of his game because we majority of guys are right-handed. So you have a guy that is dominant right hand but can go to the left hand like he can, it's just unbelievable um, the way that he can finish at the basket, being able to extend. But he just brings so much versatility. Um, you know, he's we, – we all think about like a Brady Manning. You know, he brought in – he was like the guy that kind of like twist things and brought a different perspective to the Carolina basketball that was just very different that Carolina basketball hadn't seen before, a four-man stepping out, being able to shoot threes like that. Um, I think, well, a guy that I played with, Luke May, but um, when you look at Harrison, he is just able to be able to plate make um, and will make so many plays out of that four spot. And then also 
I like how you're able to not, he's not only able to just make a play from the outside. He can also do like a little Charles Barkley and start backing you down if he doesn't have the drive. And I really think that's something that will make a difference because he'll be going against guys who he can post up, especially if you put him at that three spot. Um, but he can play the four spot. He's strong enough to be able to switch um, and give them switchability one through four. Um, I mean, I can keep going on and on about this guy, but he just brings so much, and I look forward to seeing him progress and getting comfortable and and, and being able to make plays. And you can put him all over the floor. I mean, you can do you can put him at the point guard spot and run, you know, a pick and roll for him. There's just so many things that that this coaching staff can do with him. And I'm excited to see what situations and what, um, and what places they put him on the floor. Yeah. A lot of excitement with, with this Carolina basketball team as the season gets underway before we wrap up a big shout out to our friends at congruity. Congruity is a North Carolina based national coverage, local presence company with personal support straight from the Tar Heel state Congruity is empowering small and mid-sized business owners with HR and payroll outsourcing, enabling you to grow your business while they take care of your greatest assets, your people. And they are doing it with top-of-the-line technology and services for every stage of your business's growth with a state-of-the-art online platform. Congruity, they are obsessed with customer service where they become part of your team. They do the heavy lifting, providing essential admin support with a single point of contact and support available on demand with services that are tailor-made for you, transforming your organization. Congruity has helped hundreds of businesses improve and enhance their day-to-day lives, level up your HR capabilities, save money, unlock game-changing growth. Visit congruityhr.com backslash Tar Heels to learn all about congruity filled a quick form to be connected to their consultants and they'll give inside carolina listeners or viewers a payroll and hr assessment for free that's congruityhr.com backslash tarheels congruityhr.com backslash tarheels all right back to the episode great first episode i'm i'm giving you an a plus for for this first episode <laughs> i appreciate it. i didn't know what direction it was going to go but man when we're talking <laughs> hoops it's uh that's right up my alley so that <laughs> i'm very comfortable with that <laughs> carolina back in action this week november 17th it's a friday game on the acc network against uc riverside and we will be back early next week to to talk about that game and also preview battle for atlantis because this schedule i don't know if you've seen the schedule joel it's, it's about up. to ramp up. <laughs> it's ramping up quick. <laughs> but, Joel, man, appreciate the time. Appreciate everybody watching and listening, and see you next time. Yes, sir. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.